This episode of Medium Plus is brought to you by the Blue Weber Agave. Native to Jalisco, Mexico, the plant is fondly known by botanists as Agave Tequilana. Favoring elevations of a mile or more, Blue Agave is robust and long-lived, not suitable for tequila production until a decade or more of age. You may have also heard about the spirit mezcal, generally made from the maguey plant, aka American aloe or agave americana, but that's another story. To learn more and receive 50% off your next agave order, visit mediumplus.com slash agave or check out Monday nights at Barrio in Seattle. When I'm not used to the feeling of I thought I met you but only that you get to me once, once in a lifetime, so they say so many times to define you with crime on page. What's up? This is Nick Davis with Medium Plus. Welcome to the show. I have a fantastic interview to share with you today with friend and bartender Cameron George. From his great attitude and impervious work ethic, Cameron has risen quickly in the local and national cocktail scene and now manages the bar program at Barrio on 12th Avenue in Seattle. He truly represents the concept of hospitality and I love sitting at his bar, as should you. Before we get to the interview, I thought it would be fun to share a story of how I first got interested in this whole cocktail thing. So way back, I was in uh, college at UW, and my junior year had just ended. So I was 20 years old and had gone to summer camp before to you know, be a camp counselor and uh, do some trail work, and that was great down in New Mexico. But you know, I got this girlfriend, and I wasn't about to go back to New Mexico and, and leave her bef- behind, so I decided to stay, uh, stay in town in Seattle and find a summer job. You know, as, as one does. So went on Craigslist, uh, you know, that's the mode that we do these days. And uh, found, a, found an interview at the Old Spaghetti Factory down on the waterfront uh, by Elliott Bay. And uh, that may be a, a well-known restaurant to some of you, you know, high-class joint, absolutely. So I, I went down there and, you know, lucked out and got the job uh, and would begin training as a waiter the uh, the very next week and this would be my very first restaurant job so uh, did the training and ended up uh, working there for just over three months until the the school year began and I think that's the pattern that that restaurant really had is they would get all these people out of college and for summer break and then they would lose them again at the end of the summer uh, except for this one guy Tom and Tom was a veteran of that place and I think it worked there for maybe 10 or 20 or 25 years and uh, a total kooky character um, was an artist and would do art down in the break room and they didn't give us any kind of family meal but you know we would uh, buy our half price spaghetti and meatballs and then uh, watch him do his art and uh, that was my introduction to uh, to working in a restaurant and it was uh, stressful and you know crazy as all get but I, I noticed I noticed the bar, and I, I hadn't, you know, drank much uh, in high school, not at all, and and then in college, just uh, you know, found out about it at parties with the marching band. So I didn't know really anything about alcohol, and saw on the bar all of these bottles. And as a little kid, I loved gemstones. Um, you know how ravens like shiny things. I I was kind of like a raven. I loved shiny gemstones. So I saw these bottles, and they were lit up on the bar. And they just look so cool. I, I got interested visually and, uh, you know, saw in the cage, there was this cage in the, in the back room where they had the storage of, of the other bottles. And I started looking at them and I saw like the Grey Goose and the Captain Morgan. And it was pretty basic stuff. But I loved the frosted bottle on the Grey Goose and the, the other shiny things. Uh, so I was just like, I'm going to learn about this because it looks cool. So I went to my library in my neighborhood, the Green Lake Library, on a whim and thought, hey, maybe they have a book about bartending. So I, I, they did. They had like four. And I actually have those same books. I ended up buying them. I have them on my bookshelf now. Uh, the Craft of the Cocktail. And there's one called The Bartender's Guide and The Bar. And I got really lucky to stumble upon those, especially The Craft of the Cocktail. Uh, written by Dale, Dale DeGroff. You know, he's a, a master of uh, cocktail history and has really shaped uh, a lot of, you know, the cocktail culture that we have today. So I poured through that book, and the one called The Bar is excellent as well for learning about spirits. 
and I thought to myself, hey, let's, uh, you know, let's try some of these drinks. Um, but, you know, I, I wasn't 21 yet, and I couldn't go out and buy the alcohol, so I would just uh, kind of pretend with, with water a lot of times. Um, <laughs> I went to the, uh, the Seattle restaurant store down on Aurora uh, towards Shoreline, and they had all the shakers and all the jiggers and tools and everything, and I was just like all about it. So I, I made my collection of, of basic bar tools, and then I approached my roommates. And so my, I was living in this house in the Maple Leaf neighborhood. And uh, you know, Maple Leaf, pretty cool spot. We were pretty cool dudes. So we called it the uh, the MLBC or uh, Maple Leaf Ballers Club, uh, of course. And uh, we had a habit of going down to the Century Ballroom and swing dancing on Sunday nights for the All Ages event, because why not? It was fun, good place to meet girls and practice our moves, you know, funky. So we would all roll in there and, uh, you know, get our groove on, and it was fantastic. And we soon learned about uh, blues dancing, so somewhat of an offshoot of, of swing dancing with some of the moves, but a little bit closer and slower and more sensual and we were really in a blues dancing. Uh, so we got into that and started going once or twice a week to these blues dances and to the swing dancing less and less. And, um, so I met my girlfriend at the time, uh, through the dancing. And, um, so the community of blues dancers would have these parties, uh, where they'd be at someone's home and they would take over the whole house. There'd be a DJ there spinning vinyl sometimes or on a compact disc. Uh, so, you know, really authentic, um, blues music sounds and the, the whole house would be a party and, and uh, we loved going to those blues parties and decided to host one of our own at the MLBC and I wanted to make cocktails so I, I poured through my cocktail book and didn't want to spend a lot of money so you know in the Facebook invite I put hey if you bring a bottle of liquor I will you know, make your drinks for free because, you know, I'm not going to charge you if you bring a bottle and contribute, but yeah, maybe I'll charge a little bit to uh, other people who, who just want to, you know, have a, a refreshment at the party. So we we invite all these people over, probably like 50 come over for this first party and it's a huge hit. And I'm making cocktails, I'm shaking, I'm wearing a vest. I'm like a regular mixologist, right? And, you know, it's just so fun. And I remember filling up my... Uh, my pint glass with ice and you know wanting to make a daiquiri I was like oh I've seen these daiquiris they're like these you know tropical drinks in a tall hurricane glass and so I made the measurements that were in the book with the rum and the lime and the simple syrup and uh, shook it and poured it in the glass and um, it only filled up like the bottom quarter of the glass of this really tall hurricane like tiki glass and I was like what is going on but uh, I clearly had no idea, <laughs> you know, the difference between a blended daiquiri and a, and a shaken served up. Uh, anyways, uh, it was great, and we had a wonderful time. So we kept going blues dancing and swing dancing here and there after that party. But I had the itch. I wanted to do more, and I, I wanted to keep bartending and throwing these parties. So I decided, you know, without consulting anyone, to just throw another one and I started you know Facebook invite and got a DJ I think two DJs lined up and I got like 20 people to each bring a bottle of booze so we would have a full bar it was gonna be sick so you know the night came Friday night boom boom we're gonna do this blues party so everyone's there the house is packed and uh, you know one of the DJs my friend Brenda she brought over this I think it was a 1.75 liter of Bombay Sapphire gin uh, so I put that in the cupboard, you know, just in case, because she was going to come over later, um, but brought the brought the liquor early just to be prepared. And then aside from that, we had, you know, absinthe and really nice dark rum and all these crazy things. I didn't even really know what half of them were, but we were going to find out. So the thing is, the night before the party, my roommates were like, yo, you didn't ask us if we could, you know... <laughs> if we could do a party you just did it uh and we're not cool with it you know we want our quiet time and you know what are you thinking you cray and i said hey you know this is just really important to me and i don't care what y'all want i'm just gonna do it so i commenced with the party and they were not happy but everybody showed up and i was like who cares it's gonna be fine so people are 
grooving, they're doing it, you know, DJs are spinning, I'm making cocktails, I'm collecting cash, you know, for, uh, you know, the drinks I'm making, and there's this beautiful full bar lined up, and uh, I go over to check on the DJ to see, you know, when the set change over is going to happen, and I look up, and there's a, there's a police officer in the living room, and I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it at first, it didn't quite sink in, I thought it was someone in costume or something, and I said, oh, hello, and they, uh, it was, it was a real police officer and they asked if I was who I was, Nick. And I said, yeah, I am. So, uh, long story short, we'll, we'll get to the, the piece is, is that they said, well, we've been informed that, you know, you, um, uh, have some, some alcohol service going on here. And, uh, you know, we understand that you're not of age, you're not 21. Um, uh, so that's not that's not legal. You can't be doing that. I, and so you need to first shut this party down and then we'll, we'll proceed from there. So I was, I was freaking out. I didn't know what to do. They, the cops didn't know I was selling the drinks. Um, but they, they, you know, no one was getting out of hand or doing, you know, absinthe laybacks or anything like that. But, you know, I guess I was breaking the rules. So shut the party down, had to kick everyone out politely, but you know, people were like, what? And, and there were two cops. There was a big man cop and a big woman cop and no, neither were smiling, but, uh, okay. So from there, everyone was gone. I was just all to myself in the house and I had to pour every single bottle down the sink. You know, this generous gifts that these people had brought the absinthe, the dark rum, all the rest down the sink, glug, 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 glug. And I was like a tear, a single tear rolled down my cheek as I, I saw that happen. And then they're like, okay, uh, you're free to go. Don't do it again. And I was like, what? Uh, and then my landlords called. So the cops left and then my landlords called and they're like, uh, we heard that there was like some sort of trouble. And they, they came over and they were like this older couple, both named Jerry, Jerry and Jerry. And they're like, yeah. So, you know, we heard that the roommates had to call the cops. And I was like, what? So it turns out the roommates called the cops and uh, kind of stabbed me in the back. But uh, I was really surprised and didn't know what to do. And uh, so, you know, from there uh, ended up the, the blues dancers had gone to someone else's house just to sort of process everything that happened. And so I was able to, you know, catch a ride over to that house and you know, reunite um, and kind of decompress from the whole thing. And, uh, Ended up moving out shortly thereafter to uh, to greener pastures, and took a break from bartending for a little while uh, until I graduated from college and then got the spark again. But um, oh, I should mention I forgot that Brenda she ended up coming back later, but it was after the, everyone had been kicked out, and I was just sort of sitting on the couch like dazed and confused, and I heard this knock at the door, and she's like, oh. Nick, uh, what the heck is going on? Where's where's the party? And where's my booze? And uh, I had good news for Brenda because I had still kept that bottle of gin in the cupboard. And when the cops said, is that everything? Uh, I said, I lied. I said, yes, yes it is. Uh, and they did not find it. So I was able to return the big bottle of Sapphire to Brenda uh, unscathed. And uh, you know, that was that. So uh, no regrets there. It, you know, makes for a, a decent story and uh, is just the first piece of the puzzle. So anyways, I uh, hope you all have some similar adventures and I would love to hear about them sometime. So uh, hit me up. Uh, but without further ado, here is the interview with the man, Cameron George. All right, dude. Yeah, man. So it's cheers. Good to be here with you. Cheers. Man. Good to be here with you too. We got Cameron George. So I'm interested to know about, like you've been in the game relatively recently, um, compared to someone like Murray who's been doing it for oh, yeah. for decades, right? So I mean, well, everybody's recent compared to Murray, though. Everybody is recent. Truth. I mean, truth. Uh, but how did you get interested in this in the first place? Um. Yeah, just to be completely honest, I kind of like tripped and slipped and fell into the service industry. Um, I got asked politely to leave <laughs> college, uh, <laughs> at Warner Pacific, great school, but, uh, 
yeah, I got asked to leave and I came back up to Seattle and I, you know, I needed a job to be able to support myself basically. Yeah. And, uh, my good friend Damari's older sister, um, ended up giving me a job at Bill's off Broadway as a dishwasher. And, uh, I was there and had that job for like three years from the time I was like 18 to basically actually really almost 22. Um, and while I was there, I started, you know, hanging out on Capitol Hill and I met some people from, uh, 611 Supreme. Mm -hmm. And then I got offered a bar back position there and, uh, just had a lot of really wonderful teachers at that, at that spot that, uh, kind of took me under their wing and taught me how to make cocktails. And then I met, you know, the guys from the USBG and all the gals from the USBG and like, I was kind of hooked on it. Yeah. And it just became something I was really, really passionate about. Yeah. Well, in such a short amount of time, you've jumped from d dishwashing at Bill's Off Broadway to leading one of the top bars in Seattle, in my regard. Like, you know, Barrio is a place that I started going when I was first getting into cocktails around 2010. And I'm just so proud of, of how far you've come. Um, what do you think of Tribute's that quick rise? I mean, honestly, um, <clears throat> so a couple of things, actually, I think first and foremost, I've had an incredibly uh, supportive community uh, that is really driven on pushing not only themselves, but the others, are, uh, but other people around them. And so I know that to be successful in this community, I've had to learn a lot very, very quickly. And to do that, I've had awesome teachers. Like uh, a lot of you guys not might not uh, know him, but Justin Clark, really, really awesome bartender at 611 back in the day. You know, his just, um, the way he took to taking care of customers from any background was something I've, it was, it's, I've never seen anything like it still. Uh, Sean Johnson, like one of my, you know, one of my best friends and still my favorite bartender to like watch. Uh, mm -hmm. Casey, my boss right now, is like the things that I've learned from him are, are like the not so sexy side of bartending, like how to take care of yourself and then also how to actually just run a bar, like just the numbers, you know, the devil's in the details, basically. The nuts and bolts, mm -hmm. for sure. And then, you know, to be like, again, being honest, I'm an incredibly competitive person. I uh, I played college basketball before I was asked to leave, and uh, yeah, played basketball all my life. So, you know, I, I believe in I believe in in competition and spirit, like in competitive spirit. You know. So to to pivot quickly, is that a, a story that you want to share? Were you like streaking through uh, quad <laughs> or? <laughs> mm, no, I just wasn't driven. Uh, I, I, like, never went to class. Um, yeah, and this is me being honest with myself, too, which is kind of weird. <laughs> like, kind of weird to say this, you know, in, the, in this context. But, yeah, I never, uh, yeah, I just never really went to class. Uh, I wasn't motivated to learn, you know. Um, yeah, and I just kind of acted out, and I was, you know, young and dumb, basically. Mm. Yeah. I find that to mirror my own experience in college somewhat where, um, although I did go to class and, um, you know, strive to perform in my field, I was in music and uh, didn't really have a, a path after that. So I kind of skated along and did my best. Um, but compared to the guys who were in the practice room 10 hours a day and, and just, you know, obsessed, I, I don't know if I had that obsession like I did when I discovered bartending. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that, spark um just clicked one day for you yeah absolutely i mean you know i i always i always loved to to read i just didn't want to read what people would tell me to read yeah i didn't want didn't want to write what you would tell me to write with bartending it's the exact opposite like i want to read like everything that everybody suggests I want to you know learn the cocktails that are like relevant I want to learn the cocktails that were relevant you know it's I, there's a desire to learn much like you were talking about with those guys that were in the practice room 10 hours a day like it, it's just they found something that kind of like ignited them mm -hmm. you know and I think that bartending is amazing because it's something that's so simple that ignites that spark in so many different people
like all across the world and the community has you know really developed but stayed small so that we're a degree or two away from any of the the passionate people whether they be in Europe or mm -hmm. Hawaii or Asia yeah and that's like one of my favorite parts about the industry is just like being able to like kind of step back and look at where everybody who I know like everyone I know they're all across, they're scattered across the globe you know you know you have all the guys out in Hawaii Dave Newman like you know Justin Park Alejandro like mm -hmm. those guys are you know they're killing it out there and then out in like the east you know out in uh, New York you have like she's uh, Natasha Sophia like she's killing it out there mm -hmm. yeah it's just you, you can look across the globe and see amazing people that love the exact same thing that you love but you can still reach out and like touch every one of them if you if you need to you know <laughs> you know Facebook has this interesting way of populating uh, suggested friends on the newsfeed yeah it's crazy and all the time I'm seeing these people I haven't met yet it's like 169 friends in common. Mm -hmm. and, you know, inevitably, inevitably they're a, a bartender from. Yeah, exactly. You know, like it has, to, it has to be, you know? It has to be, yeah. yeah. And I just love that community. Uh, a bit earlier you mentioned the uh, Washington chapter, the, the USBG. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something that you've been pretty involved in? Yeah, yeah. Um, ever since, like, honestly, it was Chris Goad who kind of got me into that. Uh, and I would just... And I, I viewed it as like uh, um, kind of a, a good old boys club. And mm -hmm. now like being on the other side of that, it, it's definitely everything except for that. It's a <laughs> welcoming community. Like I, it, as quickly as I, I was embraced, like it, it's, yeah, I, I can't even understand why I had that, like that line of th like thinking, you know, um, the USBG is is absolutely incredible i think that it's done more for bartending in the last uh, like six in the last six years than almost any other single body you know it, it's literally the glue that ties chapters together to be able to communicate and reach out and like i said touch people all across the world you know absolutely it, it really unifies the vision and especially with events like world class um which yeah. we both taken part in it pushes the envelope um, to use that trope but it mm -hmm. it really advances uh, creativity yeah I mean I found myself even for the the regionals and, and you can chime in on this of having to just go beyond my typical mode of, of cocktail making to mm -hmm. really expand absolutely yeah you know I mean it's it it makes you think so um, so large you have to see such a like such a large picture and then also at the same time be able to break it down and nail every single component of it mm -hmm. um that it was that really is the competition that i think is the test of a is the test of a bartender yeah and there's i don't think that there's really another cocktail competition and i say cocktail competition because making a cocktail is just one part of bartending that competition, the world class, literally challenged every single aspect of what you are as a bartender. From service to uh, mise en place to yep. organization. To presentation, you know. Yeah, like that was it was it was wonderful to be there with such like a, you know, star studded cast and be like oh my gosh I'm going up against all these guys that I've you know been following on Facebook and I've been seeing in USBG like <laughs> newsletters and stuff you know that was that was it honestly and then me being competitive it drives me to want to get back there so next year you think you'll you'll revisit it and oh yeah yeah oh there's not a chance I'm not entering okay all right <laughs> well <laughs> I I don't know if I'll uh I'll go back next year but um you know, maybe we'll go head to head yeah, man. Uh, in the coming future. Um, but I'll assume that you'll get, you know, to, to nationals and then globals next year. And then, man, you know, you can retire. There, <laughs> there are no assumptions, man. Especially not with this community right now. Uh, I mean, it's such a trip to arrive at a competition and be up against people who um, have just been at it. Like I remember at the nationals, 
it was against Charles Jolie and Steve from Employees Only, mm-hmm. and you know I'm sure at the at the Northwest you saw guys who were, you know, top notch from oh, yeah. um, Dave, SF and Dave Dave Newman, Justin Park, Andrew Meltzer, you know, yeah, those are three three big guys right there. Only three only three get to go, and you know? you're you're right there among them. I mean. Yeah, I was really proud of like how I did this last year. I made a couple of mistakes that you know were why I didn't advance. You know, um, I didn't ice my glasses in one round. That's mm. right. Yes, I. <laughs> that's right. I forgot that. I totally did. Oh, shameful! Yeah, shameful. Sorry. I should have just walked off right then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah. Yeah. I didn't ice my glasses in one round, and um, oh my gosh. Oh, I spilled uh, a quarter of an ounce of Don Julio uh, during the speed and efficiency round. Porn went out for the homies. <sighs> Porn a little bit out for the homies. I tried to tell them, you know, but <laughs> it, was, it was part of the uh, the theatrical element. I totally li- I totally lied when I did it too. I was like, if I'm shaking, it's not because I'm nervous. It's because I've been looking forward to this competition for a year, <laughs> which was like Both in part tr- true. Yeah. But like, no, I was nervous. Like, I was definitely <laughs> nervous. Well, whenever I see you bartending at Barrio or uh, formerly at uh, Sweet 410 or 611, uh, did you bartend at 611? Yeah. Okay, I thought so. Yeah, I did. Um, you, I never see you nervous because that's almost your domain. You're, yeah, you know. You're in your zone. I'm, uh, uh, I'm getting much, much better. And I, I think I've actually kind of, I think I've got it down now um, where I just, when, when I'm in a competition now, I just view it as I'm making another drink at work. There's just more people watching me and mm-hmm. being kind of awkwardly silent and <laughs> not texting on their cell phones or, you know, trying to hit on the girl next to them. I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, but I've, I've learned how to kind of just be like, yeah, this is, I've, I've done the preparation. I'm here right now. I'm just going to kill it right now. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, when you're behind the bar, what I notice compared to, um, some of the mixologists, I'll say, um, there's that idea of, you know, mixology and the fascination with the drink, and people really dive into that, but they forget about the guests sometimes. Yeah. And I noticed that you take the drinks really seriously, but that is still a little bit less than taking the the guest first. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, like the guys like Jim Rumdahl and then, you know, again, Casey and Sean and um, even Andrew, Andrew Friedman, you know, these guys like they have they've been doing it for a while. They were from a period of time when it was always guests first. And I think that that still needs to be the philosophy. But there was a change in um, the style of bartending a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like everybody will just read books and forget that the bar needs to be a social place. You know, you can't just read a cocktail book and then step behind a bar and be like, Oh, I can make every drink in here. I'm the best bartender. No, it's, it still has to be people first. And, and that, uh, that will always actually, it will always need to be people first. It's well, it's always been that way throughout history. I mean, with bartending, As one of the original professions, yeah, I guess one of the original two. <laughs> really, <laughs> basically, basically, yeah. Funny you could get it both in the same place as well. That's yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, that reminds me of of just you know seeing some incredible things. Uh, I remember being behind the bar and an uh, older gentleman came in with uh, about four or five girls. Um, in their 20s and he just threw down and was having a grand old time and um you know i i have no assumptions as to the the context but uh i just love being surprised oh yeah when you just see something that is and that's the thing like every shift i mean something spectacular doesn't happen every shift but something real good happens every shift oh absolutely Yeah. yeah There's always one moment where you're just like, I can't believe that really just happened. Like, um, like a few months ago, I, like at Barrio, we get a lot of tender dates, and um, <laughs> yeah, 
and you know them because they're they're really awkward. One will get there before the other one and sit down and say, "No, I don't want anything to drink. I'm waiting." <laughs> then they'll like do that awkward hug and be like, "Oh, like hey, yeah, nice to meet you." And it's like, okay, now I know what this is. But it's always my vision and goal to make this thing go just really well. Like oh, I, yeah. I'm I'm trying to I'm wingman in it. Yeah, I'm wingman in it, and um. We're just doing an awesome job this one night. This guy and I are just totally, you know, killing it. This lady is having a, the best first date ever. Mm. So I go to get the guacamole out of the way, and I was like, "Yeah, man, like unless you want to lick the gu- unless I, unless you want to lick the guac." And he takes the bowl and he like makes eye contact with her. No. <laughs> and he licks the bowl of guacamole. Yeah. And I was just like, "Man, like, I can't, I can't help you anymore. Like, you ruined it." No recovery yeah, from there. And it, it just, totally went downhill. It yeah, it did not go well the rest of the night. Yeah. Got creeped out and then mm-hmm. left alone. Just save that for like the third date. Yeah. And do it at at home maybe. Exactly. I don't know. Not in public. Yeah, don't don't do that in public. Not, not on date one. Not on date one. <laughs> you know, that's just I you know, you have to be bold in life and they say fortune <laughs> is the bold. Okay. That's all right. Uh but you know. Can you can you be too bold though? What he could have done is just I don't know, taken a chip and like really slyly gotten the rest of the guac and fed it to her and been like there we go. I saved the best for last. You know, yeah. Just it, for you. Oh man, alright. Alright. I need to get my game up. That was beautiful. Right there. Gorgeous. <laughs> just gorgeous. Mm. So what's the cocktail that you I mean, do you drink cocktails when you go out or Oh yeah, I'm of course. Like of course. I, I want to, yeah, I want to drink cocktails. Um, I actually I drink a little bit of everything when I go out. You know, like I will, I will drink a lemon drop. I don't care. I do not care. And then I'll drink a fifty-fifty. You know, and maybe I'll have a beer and a shot of whiskey. You know, I, I drink a little bit of everything. But yeah, I definitely I love having a great cocktail. For sure, it's um, it never gets old because there's infinite possibilities Mm -hmm. and even take a a classic like a old-fashioned or something and you just swap out any brown spirit or yeah you know white spirit for that matter like it's a completely different drink mezcal old-fashioned that's one of my favorites right there oh so good yeah now what do you use for this syrup you do the same uh like simple syrup or i i like doing either agave or honey Mm. yeah yeah Mm. Cameron George, all about the honey. Mm-hmm. Hey, girls. <laughs> nah, yeah, I love uh, I love using honey in, in old fashions. I just think it adds a completely different um, flavor profile. Yeah, it's really fun. And a dash of lavender bitters in a in a like a Oaxacan old fashioned. It's delicious. Oh, it's like you're in the agave fields. Yep. <laughs> Boom. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think the drinks are right now that Someone who doesn't know about cocktails, but they... Co- Uh-oh. I think that's the IRS. Uh-oh. Okay. Uh-oh. Boom, boom. <laughs> uh, so if someone, like, wants to be hip and cool, they've watched uh, Mad Men, they've, you know, got their shit together. Yeah. Uh, what are they going to order? Um, gosh, they're all gonna, they're all going to order... <sighs> all right. They're going to order an old-fashioned... <laughs> No, they're gonna. They're definitely gonna order old fashioned. They're gonna order bourbon. If you try to direct them to a bourbon, and you ask them like, "Do you want something a little bit sweeter and rounder, or do you want something more dry and like rye forward?" They're gonna say dry and rye forward. If you ask them if they want rye, they're gonna say, "No, I don't like rye," which is gonna be like, "Okay, all right, fine. Let me do this for you," and then. If uh, again, they're also gonna either drink the old fashioned, or they're gonna drink a Manhattan, or mm. they're gonna drink a martini. That's not really a martini. What no is vermouth. it? No vermouth. <laughs> yeah. The Winston Churchill. <laughs> yeah. And what is their date? Assuming they have a, a, a lady with them, what is their date gonna order? Oh, uh, probably a vodka soda. Um, either a vodka soda, or at my bar, she's gonna order a, uh, a margarita, and tell me. Not too sweet. Not too sweet. Yep. I've been seeing tattoos around town. Absolutely, you have. That's my that's my IG handle. Not too sweet. Not too sweet. <laughs> I love it. No, I think that's a universal thing mm-hmm. these days. It could either be. I don't think it's because of taste. I really don't. I think it's because of like 
carb awareness. Yeah. Um, I get a lot of Moscow mules too. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a popular with kettle. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, I love the yeah. kettle I one. I forgot about the Moscow mules. That's um, totally one that they order. That's, that's a solid choice. And I love kettle, but that just seems to be the most popular or gray goose. Yeah. Chopin is a little bit fancy, you mm-hmm. know, you know, um, I think vodka still lives. Oh, yeah. Vodka definitely still lives. Have you had any of the St. George vodkas? Yeah, from down in California. Yeah, that that citrus vodka and their green pepper vodka. Oh, my God. Like a like a spicy. It's so they have a they have a citrus. that's like uh, like California citrus. So I think they use like three different types of oranges in it. It's absolutely bananas. We did a Harvey Wallbanger rendition. Mm. Uh, on our Throwback Thursday menu at Barrio last month, and that was a delicious cocktail. It was incredible. Um, and then they also do a green, like a green chili, and I, like a, I think it's like hatch green chilies. So it's like kind of spicy, just really robust, or like earthen. It's delicious, dude. That yeah. sounds legit. I mean, their absinthe is great too. Yeah, those guys absolutely kill it. You know, I think vodka gets a bad rap, honestly. It, um, you know, has a reputation for all the frou-frou drinks and, you know, all the all the relatively bad cocktails uh, in the past, but it can really allow subtle ingredients to shine and Absolutely. You know, yeah. pop out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, people view vodka as like, oh, it's just, it's a, bl- it's a blank palette, you know? It's like, well, yeah, then that's a perfect thing to paint a picture with. Like, yeah, it's a canvas. Yeah, it's it's a canvas. Like, go crazy. Go crazy. Yeah, do have it. some fun. Use it. I mean, because it's still, it still has, like, that strong component that you need in a cocktail. You know? It adds that body and that weight, mm-hmm. um, but without the, the flavor. Actual so, flavor, yeah. Like, with wine, you might draw a parallel to... Uh, you know, a, a Chardonnay or something that doesn't have a lot on its own, but takes on the character of, of the winemaking and mm-hmm. um, oak and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm interested to, to hear a little bit about what you do these days at Barrio. And aside from, you know, uh, measing and pleasing and, and doing <laughs> the um, work that you do behind the bar uh, that the public sees, what's behind the scenes? Um... So I am basically Casey's uh, right hand. Um, I weekly will make sure that the bar ha- is ordered uh, ordered up on, you know, juices and also you know purees. Uh, Casey and I kind of tag team uh, ordering all that stuff as well as liquor. Uh, and then really, there's a lot of prep work involved in being in involved in being the lead. Uh, Bloody Mary mix, red and green sangrita. Mm-hmm. Barrio Michelada mix, um, really, you know, taking time to, sh- I mean, we go through mojitos like it's nobody's business, so obviously separating mint, um, coring pineapples, hand-juicing pineapples, that's right, you know, all of the pineapple juice at Barrio is hand-juice. Real deal. Yep. We used to have a cocktail called the Pineapple Incident, and we would go through about 75 uh, pineapples. Um, a weekend, and so I had to hand core out seventy five pineapples just for the weekend alone. Yeah. Do you use that thing that it's like a, a twist on, yep, exactly. and then you pull it out, and the core comes out? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then I learned after repetition to just cut one side of, like, cut down one side of that shaft thing, mm. and then you could just, and all the pineapple would fall right off, and you could just go right back in without having to pull the handle off. Oh, that's genius. Yeah, it was repetition. These are the tricks that you learn yep. just doing something over and over. Over and over and over again. Yeah. Always have to find the fastest way way to do it. And it, it presents itself in a way. Uh, I guess what I mean is you'll do something over and over, and the solution will just appear one mm-hmm. day. Um, I remember figuring out how to um, just like measuring a, a single shot of, of nice tequila, taking off the cap and then holding the cap between my pinky and my ring finger yeah. um, 
while and I hold the jigger in my left hand so while I'm pouring I've kind of got it cradled back there yep. and that just sort of happened one day where I was like okay I'm gonna pop it hold the hold the cap there and, and pour it yeah and I don't know the speed just arrives yep so it really does and that's one thing that I've learned at, at Barrio is just speed speed and efficiency and that was the one thing that I you know in, in the world class like that was one that I absolutely just murdered you know that was yeah. yeah except for my spill but uh I mean everything else was was basically perfect double stirred while shaking another cocktail got to double shake most or actually uh no sorry I got to uh du I double stirred with a shaking cocktail and did a thrown cocktail as well the thrown cocktail yeah so uh what goes into that um, basically just aerating the cocktail between, uh, the two tins, mm -hmm. um, just passing it back and forth, stretching it, uh, as, stretching it as you go. And that way you're going to get like that, like a creamy, bubbly, like mouthfeel from it. Whereas like stirred cocktails will kind of like feel smooth and silky, you know, you'll get a, like a creamy feel from throwing a cocktail. So it's in between shaking and stirring. Yeah, it's all about the texture. Mm -hmm. Sort of like the Jerry Thomas technique mm -hmm. from that you see in the books. Yeah, exactly. From way back. Yeah. That's that's a forgotten technique. Like nobody does that. I I love doing that. Like do a Manhattan like that, it's a different drink. And it has a theater to yeah, it. And it has a theater and that's like, you know, we're here to take p care of people. We're here to get people cocktails as quickly as you can mm -hmm. but you're also there to I believe you're there to put on a, a little bit of a show you know yeah you're not just popping Coronas exactly you're... like I want yeah if I'm popping if I'm popping a Corona I'm gonna pop it up in the air and I'm gonna try to catch that bottle cap like every little thing every, every little thing uh, matters you know I want people to sit at my bar and be entertained and want to be there and want to talk the person next to them and if it's like oh my god did you see that and then the conversation has started well then that's what it took you know you're just inspiring the energy and and the connection and mm -hmm. you know that little bit of theater makes it memorable so yeah, that they're exactly. gonna come back and, exactly yeah. you know i i would guess that you have a lot of return guests <laughs> you know? yeah we do pretty well up at barrio i mean all all the guys like are incredible and uh yeah, we're starting to actually, like, I mean, starting to. That bar's been there for, like, seven years now and has been yeah. one of the bars in Seattle for seven years. And, I mean, it has the following for that reason. So from here going forward, do you see yourself um, kind of continuing along the same path? Or are there areas that you hope to, to grow in um, either professionally or, or personally? Um, yeah, so... The reason, the whole reason that I came to, to Barrio was to basically just be next to Casey because I know how awesome a bar manager he is, and I've heard stories, and now I get to see it every day, basically. And um, so I, I wanted to learn how to be as spectacular a bar manager um, as I can. I want to be as great a bar manager as uh, as I am bartender, you know, mm. so... Uh, that was something that I, I needed to learn that. I needed to add that to my repertoire. And, um, I've still got a lot of work to do in that area, so I'm going to be, with, I'm gonna be Kay with Casey for a while, you know. Uh, and areas that I want to grow personally, um, I really just want to continue to hone my craft and then also cultivate um, health, like healthy relationships with people and continue to be uh, supportive in this community. Well, you're already on the right foot for that, I can guarantee. So <laughs> I hope so. I'm trying. I think, uh, you know, I see I see you and others, the positivity and the great energy that we have in Seattle feeds on itself. Yeah. And so just, you know, keep that going, and it'll inspire that next generation uh, because there's people coming out of college and coming into the scene every year that want to have leadership. And yeah. You're, you know, you and Casey and all the others. It's it's the leadership that's. Yeah, you know, yeah. I agree. I mean, uh, I think that Seattle remaining positive and, and remaining welcoming is is a huge thing. You know, we have to continue to do that as we grow as a as a market. Um, we're going to 
experience, like you said, more people joining us. And with that, the, uh, the community is going to, instead of being compact and, and very tight, it's going to start to like stretch out a little bit because right. there needs to be more room <laughs> for other people. And with that, we have to welcome, we have to welcome them. And that's how you grow as a community. You don't just thin out, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, you see, you know, thousands of new employees coming to Seattle, to different yeah. companies and mm -hmm. new skyscrapers going up all the time. Yep. Uh, so invariably new cocktail bars are going to be yeah. springing up left and right. Oh, it's going to, it's, yeah, you know, it's going to be fun. Seattle's going to get crazy in the next, in the next 10 years. I think it's going to like. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people moving here, and we're going to be a much bigger and more influential market. Yeah. Which I think is a good thing. You know, we don't need a cocktail week. We just need to continue <laughs> to grow how we are growing. People know that we do awesome things up here. We don't need a cocktail week. We should do, like, a how-to Tinder workshop. <laughs> yes, that would be <laughs> Tinders from all across the world. Come to Seattle and go to this tender, this bartender-led tender workshop, because you're all terrible at it. You're all you're all bad at it, and we we want you to succeed. Yep. Don't lick the guacamole bowl. Please don't. Please don't. Damn. Uh, well, anything that we should uh, wrap up with? I mean, we covered a lot of good ground. Ah, so. I think we covered a lot of good ground. I mean, I feel like you know me. Boom. You got close to the heart. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you want to lay down a, a little beat? You can do a little. Oh my god! Freestyle. Oh jeez. Okay. Okay. It's uh, all right. We can. All right. You know. All right. Let's get it. Let's. All do right. This. Let's do this. Yolo. Come on. All right. All right. <clears throat> you want me to give you this beat right here? Let's do the beat. Unless you want to freestyle and I'll do the beat. No, man. You are like the nicest rapper in the bartender game right now. Okay. Well, I won't say no. But that would be like Meek Mill telling like Drake, "Nah, I got this, man." <laughs> <laughs> Boom. There we go. Okay. All right, I got you. Mm. Uh. Check it. We're down in Magnolia in Seattle. Me and Cameron George not going to have a rap battle. He is a mad mixologist or bartender. It doesn't matter if in the rainy Seattle weather. He is the barrio king. He makes all the guacamole liquor sing. Hey, this is what we're going to do. Talk about mixology. Yeah, we're going to make it true. It's all about the guest. Uh, forget about the rest. We're gonna make the cocktails throwing and pouring and mixing and fixing everything that we need to get. Drink so many cocktails so that we can forget about our troubles. Drinking the last word, boom, boom. Join the herd and get a Moscow mule with that kettle one. Maybe a Manhattan with bourbon, it could be mighty fun. Or maybe try to get a bit of pineapple without the core. You know it is for. The best cocktails are brought to you by Barrio. That's right, Cameron George, he is the mega bro. Go and see him on Mondays for half off tequila. That's right, he'll make you cup of fila on your date who you met on Tinder. That's right, he's gonna make yeah. you a mighty fine winner. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right, you are the man. Dude. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Oh, nice recap. Okay, right. man. Well, I appreciate your uh, your wisdom and can't wait to see what's in store next. Oh, thank you, man. Love you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, dude. Summer nights, the summer's light, waking up the city lights, city nights, windows down, music high when I roll through town, got a pretty girl next to me, she's down, down the ride, ride around, by my side, I'll be your guide, go anywhere that you decide, show you wrong. So there he is, Cameron George, what a badass, am I right? Go find him down at Barrio and get hooked up with some agave goodness, not too sweet of course, they have great guacamole too. That freestyle at the end may have been sharp, but nothing close to what's playing behind me now. Music for today's episode is by Turtle T, my bud representing from here in Seattle. An Ingram and UW alum, he's a true native and can still be found around town doing shows on the regular. Pick up some of his tracks at turtlet.bandcamp.com and follow him on Twitter at What's Up Turtle. 
Medium Plus is produced by me, Nick Davis, at Danger Studios in Fremont, Washington. Catch up with me at mediumplus.com or facebook.com slash mediumpluseverything. I look forward to bringing you more interviews and beverage jive soon, so stay tuned. Thanks so much for listening and peace. Visions of a stadium, big bright lights, rocking 50k at night, thinking that'd be the life, yeah, that'd be the life. Cause it's Friday night, and I feel alright, windows down, and the music's high, sun goes down, moon comes out, damn it feels good being from my town. Cause it's Friday night, and I feel alright, windows down, and the bass turn high. Sun goes down, moon comes out Damn, it feels yeah. good cruising around my town You the sweetest in the petal rose Candy girl, my centerfold You've been opposed, but I've been exposed Once you so bad, scorching hot Like jeans again, got me feeling it Might pull on over to the parking lot Hands in place, I ain't seen the shit Just say the word, not make a stop You take it nice and slow, usher Raymond Through the south side, girl, I say pavement Can't be a shining night, we can shine night Boys in the back front scene, I'm singing So take your throne and let me take you home Before I take you home, I'm gonna make it moan And we can make it poem while it's in motion But the light's so bright that I can't keep focus Hey, what's up? place on the other side of town. Alright, let's go. Cause it's Friday night and I feel alright. Windows down and the music's high. Sun goes down, moon comes out. Damn, it feels good being from my town. Cause it's Friday night and I feel alright. Windows down and the bass turn So my Greek friend, Costa, enjoys drinking Nebbiolo served in a sherry glass. He calls it Spana Copita.